Good morning, Grace Place family, both online and here live on the campus. So glad to see each one of you. Got a chance to meet a few, uh, see a new, few new faces and get to meet some new people. So glad that you're here. Uh, I'm always reminded uh, when we get a chance to meet guests uh, how important it is to bribe them to come back. So if you're near one of them, slip them a 10 or something. Um, we want them back. Uh, we, are, we are just grateful for the opportunity to come together. We're talking about the Joshua generation. I'll go into that in just a moment. This uh, preceding little video you saw about volunteering, I want to encourage you. There are a lot of things, areas to serve uh, around in the Grace Place, and we would love to get you involved. This great face tan is a courtesy of being a member of the Mo team. So if you would like to ride around on our lawnmower, uh, it is a Cub Cadet, it's really nice, and uh, you would like one of these face tans. The secret is no hat and blazing sun, okay? And you have those two ingredients, and you will get this wonderful tan as you move into the, to the summer. Uh, we have uh, always room for mowers, so if you would like to volunteer there, we have room on media team. Uh, we'd like to recruit more people there. We have our kids' wing is opening up. My wife asked me to remind you next week, even though we're not doing the grand opening until the week after. Next week, the kids' facility will be fully open, and uh, you can uh, plan on that. But we need always need teachers and helpers and workers there. And uh, thankfully, our team has been working in some of the other buildings to help with the kids and uh, just they're real troopers. They have moved all their supplies and we are going to be moving everything that's up there. That's not a crowd up there, that's stuff. And uh, it was actually down in rooms and so we'll be moving that back down now that there's no water there and uh, it looks really great. I'm so excited about it. The last piece of it is the flooring and uh, we had a little bit of a delay on some of the, the materials, uh, and then we had rain. Somebody said picnic, who said it? Which one of you guys? Every time we say picnic and celebration, it rains like cats and dogs. But we are planning June the 6th, and uh, we will have food here, food trucks here. Um, I think we're going to have, when we look over at Amanda, we're gonna have some animals here too. Petting zoo, right? So if you have never had a chance to uh, pet a Komodo dragon, come. <laughs> They're very docile. Um, <laughs> have your Bibles with you today, Joshua chapter 10, the 10th chapter of Joshua. We're in we're the Joshua generation. Uniquely in time, you and I have been set. God has called us. We are the Joshua generation. We are not looking for the promised land. We're in it. And it is just a matter of us taking it. And uh, God is doing some really neat things. You who are here and online are witnesses to the things that God is doing in your life personally. But I am watching God do it in our body, in our group here. And there, it's amazing the things that God has been doing. We've been seeing some incredible answered prayer. Could just spend some time just telling you about miraculous things, people healed of cancer all kinds of things that God has been doing in this season, but rallying people with courage to uh, go forward in the face of, of some unprecedented attacks against uh, Christianity in America that we have not seen the likes of and are seeing more in, in, uh, as the decades succeed. 
God is, is raising up courageous men and women who are stepping out to say, nope, this is not, our promised land is not a corner, a hiding place somewhere. This is the promised land that God has given us. And we're going to take it, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? So, Joshua chapter 10, we're at verse 21, the second half of that verse, if you want to start there. No one moved his tongue against any children, uh, any of the children of Israel. And then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave. And the king of Jerusalem and the king of Hebron and the king of Jarmuth and the king of Lachish and the king of Eglon. And so it, and, and so it was when they brought out these, those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and they put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, this is a common theme of Joshua, right? Where we've been reading this over and over again. Do, let's read it together. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Read this part. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do all of your enemies against whom you will fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We're asking you to open it up to us, Lord, for now in this season how we will live this out as your Joshua generation. God, you will help us learn from what we uh, see in Scripture, what happened and how you prevailed, Lord, in the midst of uh, when the battle should have gone the other way. You arose and did a mighty work using a people that you had called, a people that belonged to you, to claim a land that you had given. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. It was the Joshua generation that took the promised land, discipled by Moses. But remember, Moses was not allowed to go into the promised land because of his disobedience. And he was on the other side of Jordan. He breathed his last breath. And Joshua was raised up as the commander. Joshua led God's people courageously to the land that was set before them. He was young, he was bold, he was surrounded by people of all ages. And we, we talk about the Joshua generation. I do not want you to get a fixation that this is a bunch of young people that, you know, were just going to take the territory. This was seasoned veterans. We see from early on, you know, uh, the story about Joshua and Caleb. And uh, Caleb was um, elderly when he, when he took his uh, place that God had given him. But first he went to battle for with all of the rest of Israel to help them gain the promised land. And we, we see there were people of all ages, uh, people of all different kinds of, of skill sets and gifts that went to war together. And that's what we see here in our gathering, in our local gathering here. We see that God has brought us all together, varying talents and abilities. And he has called us for a time like this, this season. Our world is in desperate need of uh, the powerful message of Jesus Christ 
to be passed on to the next generations. We sometimes, I think, take for granted that people fully understand, but there are so many within arm's length of us that have not heard a presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that they can make a yes or no decision. They, have really, they really don't understand it. You work with them, go to school with them, live next door to them. They have really not heard a presentation of the gospel and part of that presentation is you living it out, right? And another part of it is when they ask questions, you answering it and telling them about the answer, Jesus Christ. In this crucial hour on our planet right now, our church is rising up. And I believe that God is equipping us with the tools for the opportunities to, to be of encouragement. There are so many divine provident things that have taken place uh, in advance of even leading into these past two years. I was thinking back, we, were, we had an elders meeting, we were discussing how you know, we had uh, worked through and talked about having a live stream and, and being able to reach out to the community uh, and, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, we had talked that through, began to gather the materials and the supplies and put it together. We had no idea what was going to happen in, in 2020, right? And just as we went live and online, you know, uh, the end of December before 2020 and then those first few weeks in January, the pandemic struck. And uh, I had pastor friends that could not find uh, basic equipment to live stream. It was sold out. It was gone. And God had uniquely prepared us for that season. God had, had placed us here and, and prepared us for, for what was about to take place. And I believe God has prepared more. We're going to uncover things more and more as we go along that God has prepared for just for us. Now, God's moving across this church, across the globe. But there are things that God has prepared for you and I as we rise up. And He's raising us up with great courage. Now, the key is that for us to continue in what God has called us to, there are two keys to it, I believe. And that is, first of all, that we do not grow weary. And second, that we do not grow comfortable. What does it look like to, to grow weary? We grow weary when we listen to man more than God. When the propaganda of man begins to be what we understand or hear and, and begin to believe, rather than what God's Word says, right? When, when the Joshua generation crossed over, there was, in fact, before they went over, you remember they sent out 12 spies, and 10 of them came back with really bad reports. You know, God's right. He gave us, there's great food over there, there's great opportunities, but there are also giants. There's, you know, the, the, we can never do it. Two of them had a good report. You know, the next time around, uh, Joshua was a little smarter. You know, he said, uh, you send out 12 people, you get 10 bad reports. I'm just going to send out the two people who are going to give the two good reports. <laughs> so he just sends out two spies. They brought back good reports. We can take it. It's going to be great. And, and this was the setting for as, as they began to, to march into the land. They were not going to listen to man. They were going to listen to God. I want to encourage you to turn down the enemy's voice, the propaganda that is all around us, to turn and to tune in the voice of God so that you can hear him. How do you hear 
the Word of God. We just had this discussion in our Rooted class on Friday. We were talking through this. How is it that we hear from God? Well, the very first thing is you're going to have to open this book, right? Because He spoke to us, and this is relevant today. You're like, well, I'm going through a financial crisis. Where do I find, what page do I find that on? It's all throughout Scripture. God is, is there to help you and to encourage you and to show you how to, to uh, get out of a mess and start living and prospering according to um, you know, what God has said in His Word. And the beginning of getting out of poverty, right, is that we start with obedience to God, right? And my wife and I learned this early on, that you know, but when God said in, in the Garden of Eden, He said all these trees, and He says, you know... Um, Adam and Eve, you can have all of them except this one. This 10% belongs to me. And the, the enemy said, don't you just want God's 10%? <laughs> and, and they fell for it. And so we, we often do. Early on, my wife and I learned to prosper financially, give God what belongs to God. Right? And as we do, then, then it turns our finances around. You want to know about how to heal a broken heart, how to, how to amend you know, damages that have taken place in your life from uh, relationally or, or from lies that have been told about you or, or something that's taken place at, at work that's, that's disillusioned you. God's Word is full of it. So the very first thing we do is just open God's Word and let the Holy Spirit breathe it into our lives because this is not just ink on pages. As you and I begin to read under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, this becomes life and sustenance. Jesus said, man shall not uh, live by uh, bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It becomes sustenance for us. Listen to God's counsel. Listen to God's counsel. He's speaking to us. There's object lessons in your day every day where God is trying to show you something. And we just keep running into roadblocks and we're like, well, I got to get a bigger bulldozer, right? And God's saying, no, this is a lesson. Please learn it. Uh, this, this roadblock is you're not to go down that pathway. Don't get a bigger bulldozer. Listen to God's counsel. Watch the object lessons of the daily life that God has set in front of you, right? I had a, real, uh, a really good friend. He was a pastor, and he was very discouraged. Things were not going well. And he went to the park by himself, and he sat on a park bench, and he was just crying out to God, speak to me. And suddenly in the midst of his crying out, as he's facing uh, this little pond, he sees something coming up out of the water. You know, it's just coming up towards him. It's like, oh, God's about to speak to me. And, and, and suddenly he sees this turtle, and this turtle walks right up to where he is. And he's like, speak, God. <laughs> and then the turtle turns and walks off, you know. But every day there are little things that God is showing us, friendships He's put in our lives, kind words, you know, encouragement, things that God has brought to you. You probably couldn't handle it if God was Cecil B. DeMille's on you all the time, right? Stop your car and get out. For I have said, take off your shoes. It would freak us out. So God just speaks to us all along the way every day in all kinds of ways as we open to him to talk to us. Talk with God in your daily prayer life. Tell him from your heart and your soul. Express. God can handle it. He can handle when you're really, you know, just angry or upset. The Psalms are all about that. Pray, pray a psalm once in a while to God that you need to, to share. Listen to men and women 
who are 100% committed to God, right? Listen to, to their counsel and the things that they're saying. They're 100% committed to God. They're following him. Listen to them. It's Paul saying, follow me as long as I'm following Christ. When I deviate, don't follow me anymore. But listen to what I'm saying and follow me as a leader, a spiritual leader, as long as I am following Jesus Christ. Now take note of the, the text that we opened with, uh, the first part here. It says, no one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. And I know Israel needs to hear that right now, fresh and anew, all the things that are going on around them. But God is saying it to the Joshua generation. Listen to me. God is saying that to you, to you, to you online. No one is going to move his tongue against the children of God, those that belong to him. God is, is setting this in motion. It's something that he does. It's not something that you and I can do. We can practice great apologetics, and we should, and we can combat people with the very best out of Scripture, but it is God who will shut the mouths of liars, right? It is God who will shut up those that are gossiping. It, was God, it is God who will turn the tables on what the enemy intended to tear you down with will now be used uh, as a pedestal for you to be raised up in the midst of those around you, right? Amen. How many of you experienced God's goodness in that way where he's reversed a horrible situation and set you on top of it? Amen. I know I have. Praise God. Listen to me for a moment, church. If you, if you and I follow, if we follow God's leading the promised land, God is going to shut up the mouths of the enemies around us. He's going to cause their counsel to be of naught. All of the stuff you've worried about on social media and, and, and being, you know, blocked and, uh, you know, being canceled, God can shut up the mouths of those that would try to destroy the, the message of Jesus Christ. We're not carrying a, a political torch of any kind. We're carrying the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we should do it without fear. We should do it boldly. That's, that's a good practice for us all on social media. What is my social media account about? What's my Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want to put in the slot? What is it all about? Sharing Jesus with people who need to know. Amen? We hear this term, um, so comfortable is the second one. Don't grow weary. Second one, don't grow comfortable. We hear this term constantly from, from every corner uh, in, in, on our globe right now, and uh, especially here in America. We hear this, this phrase constantly. It's a doctrine that's being preached to us. It is, this is the new normal. This is the new normal. Whatever you want to put in the slot, and tell you, this is the way things are going to be. This is the way your kids are going to grow up. This is the things you're going to hear in school. This is the way things are going to be. This is the new normal. That is the man's doctrine that's being preached to us. Amen? You're hearing it? This is the new normal. Now, the temptation for each of us is that we might grow comfortable in that. You know, like we're uncomfortable, but we might grow comfortable with it over time. We might let that settle in, and, and we might let that doctrine uh, ring true for us. We may as well then, you know, build our life right here in the midst of this. This is as good as it gets. This is, you know, can you imagine Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and it's like, well, this. Ooh, that's really, boy, I, that's bad. Well, we, we can build a house over here. We'll just settle, you know. We'll be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Thank God for Abraham. 
<laughs> it's like, well, you know, we, we're just going to get comfortable. I know it's bad, but, you know, we're just going to get comfortable until Jesus comes. We're going to sing a lot of songs um, that, will, that will take us out of the midst of this. I'll fly away, oh glory. You know, we're going to remember uh, the future and not think about the present, right? After all, you know, things are not likely to change. It's, it's going this direction. We can see there are more and more people who believe this and want this. And we need to learn the new language, practice the new expectations, surrender our dreams, hopes, and desires, and just lower our expectations, right? The question for us to answer as a Joshua generation is this one. Who sets the new normal, man or God? <laughs> Who sets the new normal, man or God? Who will you allow to tell you what normal is? Are you going to listen to man or are you going to listen to God? Under God's commands, the first step in conquering Canaan was to divide the land and, and uh, defeating the central cities of Jericho and Ai. And you may remember, if you've read earlier, that uh, that battle went great in Jericho, but then because of uh, you know, someone stealing some stuff that actually belonged to God, God said, don't take any spoils out of Jericho. It belongs to me. It's my offering. The rest, you're going to plunder the rest of the, the land, and I'm going to give you what you need, but this belongs to me. And, and uh, Achan you know, had other things in mind, and he decided he would hide some things. You can go back and read this story, won't go through it, but because of AI, they learned some lessons there. They learned some powerful lessons. And that's important about the Joshua generation is that we learn from our mistakes. We learn from when we deviated from God and we're disobedient one way or another so that we can come together and conquer and move forward for him in the next conquest. Next, the military plans were, were called for a southern campaign and the northern campaign to complete and divide and conquer strategy. They were going to divide the northern and southern kingdoms, and, and uh, they wouldn't be able to join together. And so these five kings had come together that we read about a moment ago, and they, they, had, uh, they, they represented some of the great cities in, in Canaan, and they had formed a coalition, and they were going to fight against the Gibeonites first. They were going to take their fortress and you may remember earlier in the story, too, the Gibeonites had deceived Israel. They acted as if they had come from a, a faraway land, and so they, they, they uh, had a covenant with Israel now. So now Israel has to defend Gibeon, and that's where we find this great, great battle with the five kings. They're attacking the Gibeonites, and here comes Israel to their rescue to try to help and prevail. So Joshua and Israel and his army were required to, to help Gibeon to come to their aid uh, with God's intervention, including uh, in the story, those of you who grew up in Sunday school, the well-known story you heard, the standing, the sun standing still miracle that took place here. And Joshua not only successfully defended Gibeon, but defeated the armies of the kings in, in that one single battle. The armies uh, were scattering, they were going everywhere, and so Israel was chasing them down and defeating every single one of these five armies of the five kings. But it's important that we understand that Joshua had locked up the, the kings because he recognized there's a root problem. And you got to deal with the root problem. A lot of us are fighting the visible enemy, but we're not dealing with the root problem. And today I want to call you, and God is calling you, to deal with the root problem. 
the kings in the cave. Now, what about the, the lessons of these five kings? We see here, really, for us today, we're looking at spiritual opposition. Kings that are holed up in our heart, that are in opposition to the goodness of God and what God wants to do. The strategy for spiritual warfare that's illustrated here involves dealing effectively with root sins in our hearts and lives, not just wiping out the visible army or the effects of what we have done. And so many of us are going back and apologizing and saying we're sorry for the things that we have done, the anger outbursts, the other kinds of things, but we never deal with the heart issue. Hello? We never deal with what's really going on there, and so that king rises up and gets another army. And that's what Joshua knew, that all of these kings would rally and they would get themselves another army and he would face them another day. And maybe they would be mightier in that time when they got a greater army together. It was important that he destroy the root cause. The five kings who were the root problem were hidden in a cave. And meanwhile, they're fighting these armies that are out in the open. And similarly, the open sins of our lives and, and, and our, our manifestations of the root sins that are hidden deep in our hearts. And Jesus talked about this in Mark chapter 7, verse 21. From within, he said, from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. While fighting the enemy, we must always remember the kings in the cave. We have to deal with it. You cannot allow secret sin to live inside of any of our hearts. God challenges me constantly, and every time there's a, a message like this, where I have to bring something to you, I have to first get in my own cave and say, God, what is going on here? What is it that might separate me? It's David saying, search my heart. Reveal what might be there, any unclean thing, so that I can deal with this. I have no business telling other people to deal with the issues of their hearts and life if I won't deal with what you're asking me to deal with in my life. Joshua kept the kings in prison while he dealt with the armies of the kings. But after the armies were defeated, Joshua brought them out into the open. It was time to deal with the source, the root cause of all this warfare. The kings had slipped away. They were planning to escape and, and uh, maybe get involved in more chaos down the line. They would not be able to reorganize because Joshua sealed the cave. The Joshua generation is one that rises up and says no. No to hiding sin in secret places in our hearts. No to covering over sin with excuses. No room in our hearts for idols that are competing with attention against God. We, we, we say no to them. There's no room for them. And God has given us the land. We are getting rid of everything that has entangled itself in our heart. The Lord himself dealt a death blow with the hidden sins in our hearts. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree 
so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Galatians 5.16 says, But we must walk in the Spirit and not allow sinful desires to take root in our hearts. And so in that understanding, Joshua asked them to remove the stones and bring these kings out. Come near, he says, put your feet on the necks of these kings. We're going to finish this battle. The roots are not growing anything back. We're going to deal with the root cause. We're going to get rid of everything that is against God. And so Joshua struck them and he killed them. What's hiding in your heart? What's hiding in our hearts that might trouble us as we seek to conquer what God has given us? The territory that the, that, that the enemy wants to hold on to, but God says, it's yours. I promised it to you. What kings are residing in us that need to be dealt with? The greatest enemy we face is the sin that ties itself to our hearts in such a way as to convince us that we must save it in order to preserve ourselves. The sin that entangles itself in such a way in our heart to convince us that it must live for self-preservation. That's what God's calling us to deal with. That's what I'm calling on, on you to, to allow God to help you examine in these next few moments. I invite our worship team to come back. I want to read a quote from the book, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. You might recall, the, if you've read the book, the story, um, what happens in C.S. Lewis' depiction of a bus that comes from heaven to go to hell to give people a second chance. It's the great dream that many have had, that they could live a life on earth any way they want, and that somewhere after they've failed miserably and after they've cursed God and lived the life they wanted, that after death somewhere, God would give them a second chance and they could live a different kind of life. And so C.S. Lewis examines that. The bus comes and there are not, it's not loaded. I mean, only handfuls of these ghost-like beings want to be on this bus and check it out and get interested. As you read about it, they, they don't get along. They fight with each other. It's, it's, it's a horrible picture of what happens when we have given ourselves over to sin completely. We become completely selfish. And so there's an outside observer that's watching and telling us the story of what happens with these characters, these ghosts. And so now they are up in heaven, the bus doors has opened and they are walking out into the new heaven and they're getting a second opportunity to deal with the issues of their heart and life. And there's one such ghost that has a lizard sitting on his shoulder. And it's described by C.S. Lewis as having almost a different kind of ghostly look than the, the person who bears it, an oily, dark kind of a look. And he makes his way a little forward and this little thing is chirping in his ear, and finally he decides to turn around and leave, and that's when he's confronted by an angelic being. And here's what that uh, sequence of conversation goes like. The angel to him, Off so soon? said a voice. The speaker was more or less human in shape, but larger than a man and so bright that I could hardly look at him. His presence smote on my eyes and on my body too, for there was a heat coming from him as well as light. 
like the morning sun at the beginning of a tyrannous summer day. Yes, I'm off, said the ghost. Thanks for all your hospitality, but it's no good. You see, I told this little chap, here he indicated the lizard, that he'd have to be quiet if he came, and he insisted on, doing, on, on going. Of course, his stuff won't do here. I realize that, but he won't stop. I shall just have to go home. Would you like me to make him quiet, said the flaming spirit, an angel as I understand now. Of course I would, said the ghost. Then I will kill him, said the angel, taking a step towards him. Oh, uh, uh, look out, uh, you're burning me. Uh, keep away, said the ghost, retreating. Don't you want me to kill him? You didn't say anything about killing him at first. I hardly meant to bother you with anything so drastic as that. It's the only way, said the angel, whose burning hands were now very close to the lizard. Shall I kill it? Well, that's a further question. I'm quite open to considering it, but it's a, a new point, isn't it? I mean, for the moment, I was only thinking of silencing it because up here, well, it's so embarrassing. May I kill it? Well, there is time to discuss that later. There is no time. May I kill it? Please, I never meant to be such a, a nuisance. Please, really, don't bother. Look, it's gone to sleep of its own accord. I'm sure it'll, it'll be all right now. Thanks ever so much. May I kill it? Honestly, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. I'm sure I shall be able to keep it quiet and in order now. I think the gradual process would be far better than killing it. The gradual process is of no use at all. Don't you think so? Well, uh, I think that over uh, what you've said, and, and I'll think it over very carefully, I, I honestly will. In fact, I'd let you kill it now. But as a matter of fact, I'm not feeling frightfully well today. It would be silly to do it now. I'd need to be in good health for the operation. Some other day, perhaps. There is no other day. All days are present now. Get back. You're burning me. How can I tell you to kill it? You'd kill me if you did. It, it, is, it is not so. Why are you hurting me now? I never said that it wouldn't hurt. I said it wouldn't kill you. Oh, I know. You think I'm a coward. But it isn't that. Really, it isn't. I say, let me run back by tonight's bus and get an opinion from my own doctor. And I'll come again first moment I can. This moment contains all moments. Why are you torturing me? You're jeering at me. How can I let you tear me to pieces? If you wanted to help me, you didn't. 
Why didn't you kill the thing without asking me? Before I knew it, it would have been over. And I, I, I could have gone on. I cannot kill it against your will. It is impossible. Have I your permission? The angel's hand were almost closed on the lizard, but not quite. And then the lizard began chattering to the ghost so loud that even I could hear what it was saying. Be careful, it said. He can do what he says. He can kill me. One fatal word from you and he will. Then you'll be without me forever and ever. It's not natural. How could you live? You'd only be a sort of ghost, not a real man as you are now. He doesn't understand. It may be natural for him, but it isn't for us. Yes, yes. I know that there, uh, there have been no real pleasures now, only dreams. But aren't they better than nothing? And, and I'll be so good. I admit I've sometimes gone too far in the past. But I promise I won't do it again. I'll give you nothing but really nice dreams, all sweet and fresh and almost innocent. Have I your permission? said the angel to the ghost. I know it will kill me. It won't. But supposing it did. You're right. It would be better to be dead than to live with this creature. That's where we have to go. Is it better to be dead than to live with this creature? Our worship team is coming to lead us in a time of worship. I want to ask you to stand with me. This morning, I want to pray with those who are seeking a release from an entanglement in your heart. And you'd just like someone to agree with you. Pastor, pray with me. I've dealt with the consequences, the outward things of what goes on, but I need to deal with the heart issue. Because if I don't, it's gonna destroy me, it's gonna destroy people that I love. And so I'm inviting you this morning, that while they're singing, you come and I'll meet you here, and our prayer team will meet you here, and we're gonna believe God that he's gonna set you free and kill the king that is hiding in your heart.